This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and this is episode 80. I like that number. Christy, you are with me once again, two weeks in a row at about the same time, and I'm starting that live feed as we are going here now for Facebook. Christy, where are you at? Are you at some fun conference thing or what's going on? Wish I were at a fun conference. I am traveling, but at a state curriculum meeting. So not quite a fun conference, but still need to get the information. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's important information. It's kind of a bummer and you'd rather be doing something fun like Q conference, maybe? I would. How come you're not at the conference? What is it? The FE? Yeah, Future future of Educational Technology Conference. Yeah, well, listen, there's other things going on, and the job has a priority right now. So, ah, But in, tonight, in tonight's show, Christy, we do have some interesting things. UpSmart can make adaptive learning easy. Uh, you're going to want ask if personalized learning might be a problem of privilege. Microsoft is playing nicely with EdTech, and you have four trends to continue watching in 2018. You know I love those. So uh, shall we begin the show? Let's do it. All right. We do it with the EdTech News Rundown. From niblets.com, we get a preview to the upcoming FETC or currently going on FETC, Future of Educational Technology Conference. That gives us some insight into a new product from EdTech company, Edgenuity. Edgenuity has been around for 20 years, and one of the things they strongly believe in is that there is no such thing as one-size-fits-all solutions in education. And their newest product is called UpSmart, and it remains true to their beliefs by being adaptable for different classrooms. UpSmart has an adaptive learning engine, and after a lesson, teachers can choose a topic, and as their students go through it, UpSmart will indicate which students need more help grasping that concept, and will help those who don't need more help to move forward and, and kind of push on their learning. I've reached out to them to see if we could gain some access to explore a little further, um, and hopefully that'll happen soon. But this seems like a good way to incorporate personalized learning while still maintaining that strong teacher presence for teaching and remediation and you know making sure we understand that the teacher as the educational guide and leader is still an important part of the process. What do you think, Christy? Yeah, I think anything that can get us closer to personalized learning is a good tool, um, especially after you know teachers give a lesson and some students at that point will need either extension or remediation. And so I've said it before, I don't think we can get to the level of personalization we need in our classrooms now without the use of tech tools. So I think this one would be a good one to check out. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see exactly how many topics. I mean, that they, you know, I'm not sure what their catalog looks like. So you'd have to be able to actually choose relevant things that made sense what was going on. So hopefully we'll get a chance to check that out. Yeah. All right, our next article, um, in this opinion article from edsurge.com, the author Paul France makes some powerful statements about personalized learning. Having begun his teaching career in Silicon Valley, he saw personalized learning powered by EdTech as the answer education was waiting for. After three years in Silicon Valley, he now sees this as misguided, emphasizing three points. First, personalized learning doesn't necess necessitate technology use. Even with technology, it is simply a more sophisticated version of an industrialized model for education, moving kids through a customizable assembly line, adding quizzes, games, and videos at different rates and in different orders. Second, personalized learning is a problem of privilege. 
schools and affluent areas can more, e more easily use tech tools and shares that even if low-income schools could access technology, he thinks they'd find that personalized learning is not a need at all and that there are more pressing matters to address. The writer asserts, what if all the billions in private capital that support the ed tech industry were matched by an equal commitment to supporting our educational infrastructure? Lastly, he asserts we need to work together as there is no one-size-fits-all approach to fixing education and ends the article with, we, we now know better. As a result, we must do better. Ricky, there's some pretty powerful statements in this article. What do you think of all this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at first, I, I see the connection to that last article just saying that, you know, there's no one-size-fits-all approach. I, there's two sides to this. Yeah, I mean, of course, as an educator and as somebody who believes in education, it, yes, if we can match private capital and get billions of dollars into infrastructure and making sure that all students had the same abilities, the same tools. And I don't think this is an ed tech thing. I think this is just an education thing. I think when you look at it going back and continuing to be just like, are they getting textbooks? Well, that's not ed tech, but do they have good textbooks? Do they have the resources that they need, even if it's not about technology? So yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, what he's saying is is true. We all wish that there could be more money going into infrastructure so that we could even out some of these things, but it's clearly not the only thing that we need to worry about. So, you know, Matt, Matt just messaged me during the show, if you heard that beep, of all people to be messaging me during a show, the, my old co-host, Matt, I can't believe it. I'm going to have to give him, get him on the show yes. to maybe yell at him on, about tell that. Him to come join us. I mean, come on, if you can message me right now, you can be on the show, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what it all comes down to is money is the people who are putting that much money in ed tech is because they hope to be making money. This is not philanthrop philanthropic. So I think, you know, if we can get people to donate money in that way and to work towards using it in a way that's helpful, agreed. But that is a difficult prospect, as we know. For sure. Um, yeah, that article just brought up some interesting thoughts for me that I hadn't considered. And so I um, thought it was a good one we should share with all of our listeners. Yeah, I thought it was interesting thought that people, you know, of a, there's a certain level of need that personalized learning isn't important. And I don't, I don't know, that's an interesting concept. I'll have to, to think more about that. But I think on some level, personalized learning is always important. It may not be ed tech, like you, you have teachers coming to you, if you're behind and helping you out, that's personalized learning. So I kind of disagree there, unless he's just speaking about ed tech in general. Well, and I see that some schools might have other priorities, but I would say that all students deserve access to personalized learning regardless of their income level. And that really is an equity issue of our time of how do we equal that out for you know, poverty schools, affluent schools, all students deserve to have their learning personalized. Yeah, agree. And I think this may be one of those deals where it's a buzzword, you know, personalized learning, and he's kind of lashing out at that more than really just what, what does personalized learning really mean? I don't think it just means ed tech. I think it means, you know, giving students that personal touch they need to excel. So something to look into for sure in the future. GeekWire, our next story, geekwire.com tells us that Microsoft and ed tech company PowerSchools are playing nicely together. Now, they'll both be helping each other out in this partnership. PowerSchools will be using Microsoft's cloud service Azure to help run its classroom management interface. And at the same time, Microsoft Office 360 suite of apps will be a part of PowerSchools interface. The partnership is not surprising since Sachin Nadella has taken over at Microsoft 
and I think that was around 2014 he did that. He's been pushing to make Microsoft products more readily available. I'm actually a big fan of his. I think he really has done good things with Microsoft. Um, he's been pushing to make these things more available, and it's certainly a strategic play. As we know, Google's free education suite of apps is only gaining in popularity at school districts. Uh, I, I think, Christy, that you guys use Google in your district, and if I'm not, I, I don't want to do a little brag for you, but I think you're a certified Google-certified educator, if I'm not wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if if Microsoft 360 had these things packaged with another service that you already use, do you think that could supplant Google in your schools, or do you think Google is kind of there to stay? Well, you're right, Ricky. As a Google-certified <laughs> trainer, <laughs> I would be hard pressed to move away from Google. And, you know, I, I like the idea of the integration that Microsoft is thinking about, but Google already does that for so many things. And I think Microsoft is playing catch up right now with Google, so especially with their cloud-based tools. So we'll see where that goes. Um, so yeah, definitely a proponent of Google. That doesn't mean I'm anti-Microsoft. There is a time and place for a Word document as well, and students still need to know how to do that. So we do have to have two systems oftentimes that work together. So Yeah, you can't be exclusive these days. You have to let them know how to use things that they'll be using in business. And Microsoft is still a power player when it comes to that. So we use yeah. the Google suite at my school, but I'm often finding myself needing to use Microsoft as well. So we can do a little bit of both, but it's good on both of these companies. I think to realize that helping each other out and getting out there is, is a good thing for their business. Sure. All right. Our last article is I know how you like a list Ricky. So ed tech magazine brings us four K 12 tech trends to watch in 2018. Love them. First one, learning analytics tools provide real time feedback to allow teachers to use real-time data to intervene early and monitor student learning. Second, VR in the classroom grows more feasible. Tools have become more available to make VR attainable for more classrooms, although I still think it has a ways to go to become used by the majority of classrooms. The article shares that as long as teachers consider the learning goals and that immersive experiences help them achieve, VR can serve as an exceptional way to help illustrate a topic. Number three, and here's a big surprise, STEAM, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math will continue to rise. Shocker. This will, this will include maker spaces and the redefining of the school librarian job description. Lastly, number four, digital citizenship remains a priority. In the day of fake news, teaching students these skills will remain a priority, but shift away from what not to do on the internet. This year, we will think we'll we think we'll see a shift in the conversation around digital citizenship to focus on encouraging students to harness tech tools to do good in the world and incite change. Any surprises here, Ricky? Well, I definitely don't see. I think the most surprising to make this list is that they continue to talk about digital citizenship, uh, not because it's not important. I think it is, and I think it is becoming increasingly important. Um, maybe maybe the most important thing, if you ask me, because getting students to understand how to interact in this world without, you know, without having privacy issues or, I mean, quite honestly, just any of us, we get all these emails every day. I got an email yesterday or, or a couple of days ago about from PayPal telling me somebody had ordered something and if this wasn't me to click this button and it was legit all the way through. And the only reason that I didn't click on it now, the click alone could have given them access to something on my computer or they could have been asking for more information. Once I went there, I of course didn't, but the only reason I didn't is because I have two-factor authentication. So I was like, wait a minute, no one can be, I would have to get a text message 
for a code for somebody to log into my account. So there's no way this is real. So I just went a little further and looked at the, the email and the address with some random numbers and other things going together. But everything else presented itself as legitimate. So, I mean, we have to be teaching people this from the beginning. And I mean, obviously adults can use that education too. But So I think that's really important. And then I know I went a little long with that, but the VR thing is really fascinating to me, not because I, I really believe that it is going to be the future for sure. Um, there's a movie coming out called Ready Player One. I've read the book, listened to the audio book, I should say. Uh, Will Wheaton uh, is the one who reads it. It's really good if you're into tech and into VR and into education and, and into the 80s especially. But anyway, check that out. There's a movie coming out um, next month. But I think the VR system is going to be one of those things where it's not something teachers on a day-to-day basis are going to be really... In, I mean, you're not going to be asking teachers to create VR scapes and landscapes and things like that. It's going to be like these, it's going to be like YouTube or other things where people are making these cool things that you can check out and you can direct your students there and say, hey, go check out what Rome was like during the 16th century and, you know, or whatever. And then you can talk about it in a more complete level because they can actually experience it in some way. So I like that a lot. Yeah, I definitely. I just think we need more of it. And you know, Google Cardboard is out there, but unless you have the device, you know, it's still, I think, out of the reach for many, many classrooms to have a full class set or even a small group set. But maybe we'll get there. Yeah, we'll, it, we'll get I there. I agree with you on Ready Player One. I'm halfway through that uh, audiobook as well, and I want to finish it before the movie comes out. But it's that's a good one. Amazing. I love that. I've listened to it multiple times. I just, I like everything about it. I love the 80s references, the game references. I love the tech part of it. It's just it's kind of like the perfect thing. I'm super excited about the movie. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to get involved in the show, go ahead and give us an email. Shout out to us at edtechweekly at gmail.com. You can hit up the subreddit, edtechweekly.reddit.com. We'll post stories and engaging there as well. Of course, on Twitter, at 4techteachers or at Christy M. Warren. And, uh, you know, we're working at that and trying to do a better job. Christy is definitely stepping up her game on the Twitter world. So be sure to follow her and check that out. Um, EdTechWeeklyShow.com. We are putting the links up and the stories up promptly because we have a couple of listeners who are making sure that I do. And I'm glad you are because we need to make sure that these things are up to date. And Christy, it is that time. It's the end of the show. Normally, we kind of give you some, for, you know, kind of hit you up for some advice or other things. And so what I think you we should morph this into, and I think you had a great idea, is maybe giving a nice little Christie's tech tip at the end of the show. So how about tonight we start with our first Christie's tech tip? What do you have for us? Christie's tech tip. Ooh, that sounds so official. That's right. So you did mention... Um, Twitter just now and putting our stuff out there. And we all know what a great resource that is as far as developing your PLN, your professional learning network. I learned so much just on scrolling through a Twitter feed. Sometimes though, I find it hard to manage and track uh, all the varying things going on. So one tool that a lot of people use, myself included, is TweetDeck. So if you're not using TweetDeck yet, I would encourage you to do so, especially if you like to do Twitter chats, that's really the only way to keep it all straight. Um, But what I also really like about TweetDeck is that you can schedule your tweets. So, you know, sometimes it's hard during the week to find time to, you know, put content out there. But if you do just set aside time, for me, it's on the weekends. 
and I can schedule my tweets. I can say, you know, what time of day I want them to go out. So that way, you know, it kind of spreads, spreads it out through the week and makes sure that I can help contribute to the Twitter universe, um, but in a way that works for me. So TweetDeck, uh, if you aren't using it yet, I encourage you to check it out. It is a really great tool. Well, that's a great tip. And I will tell you that I knew you were doing something like that already because I was at work at like 6.30 in the morning and I saw one of your tweets come out and I was like, wait a second. There's no. no way she's tweeting at like 3.30 in the morning. This has to be something that was set up. So oh, I'm man, actually... I got to check the time then so it comes out 6.30 <laughs> Pacific time. <laughs> <laughs> I was, but hey, it was good for me because I was at work and I, and I liked it. But yeah, so anyway, I like I like the tip. That's a great tip. I've used TweetDeck before. Uh, you're a thousand percent right. If you're doing chats, you need something because just on regular Twitter with chats is is really a pain. But uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for being on the show again, Christine. Great tech tip. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Episode 80. Yeah, it's done. And make sure you hit up that Ready Player One, though. Seriously, get the audiobook. It's awesome. See you next week, EdTech Weekly.